Hopefully. You know how it is. Yeah. Mondays, am I right? <laughs> Mondays, I'm dying. Uh, it doesn't have to be an intense conversation. Every conversation I have is intense. You know that. That's true. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of true. And we're back with another exciting episode of Do Good, Feel Good, joined by a friend of the pod. You've heard her before if you've been listening for years now. It's Dana Flightman. Hi. Dana's here um, to talk about a topic that you probably wouldn't think would be on a show called Do Good, Feel Good. Right? That is true. It neither makes you feel good, nor is it a good thing to do. Right. And that topic is stalking. Yeah. Before um, we um, dive right into stalking, you want to talk about a little bit about who you are as a human, because you do other things aside from stalking awareness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my name is Dana Flightman. I live in the <laughs> DC area. Recently moved to the Burbs because I'm not cool anymore, but I lived in the city proper for 15 years. So I used to be cool. Um, originally from the Bay Area, California. And yeah, I'm in the domestic violence field. And so I've done training and education around those issues. And now I am specifically focused on the crime of stalking at the Stalking Prevention Awareness and Resource Center. So my job is to typically travel, though lately it's been a whole lot of webinars um, and train responders in the field. So people like law enforcement, domestic violence service providers, mental health practitioners, campuses, et cetera, train those folks on recognizing and responding to stalking crimes. Um, outside of that, I also do stand-up comedy. Again, not recently, <laughs> but I'm a producer with Grassroots Comedy DC, and I am the regular host of the Pun DMV Pun Contest at the DC Improv. So I enjoy puns and educating people about stalking. And that's like a pretty good, oh, I'm really into my pug. And your I cat. I feel like you don't really give any shout outs to the cat. It's maybe Oh yeah, cats. I have two cats. They're fine. But <laughs> my pug oogie boogie is my everything. Okay. Um, my husband's okay too. Yeah. All right, so subtle brag, she does have a home and a husband. So um, good job. Yeah, I I'm employed or whatever. No big deal. <laughs> and I'm a famous comedian and producer, but. I um sorry I realized like it's probably I should probably introduce people rather than be like we have this good chick on the show talk about yourself you know so maybe next time I'll introduce you properly okay because there will be a next time all right okay so I have worked with Dana in the past on a number of comedy related uh initiatives and She's very funny, even like when we're just plant and planning meetings or like every single text, there's a little bit of humor in it. So it's just always thrilling. You never know what you're going to get with her responses. So no pressure, but maybe the conversation will be lively and make you laugh tonight. Maybe I'll try to dazzle you. I do use a lot of humor when I do my presentations on stalking, but also the bar is really low because people are like expecting to be very depressed. So yeah. if I'm a little bit funny and only kind of depressing, people are pretty pumped. Sweet. People yeah. usually come into this show having no idea what to expect. So 
it's kind of the same. Okay. All right. So first of all, what is stalking? Because what are what is stalking, and then what are the misconceptions of stalking? Sure. So stalking is one of the four crimes under the Violence Against Women Act, and it's one that's often under or unrecognized within the fields of you know domestic violence and victim services, as well as by the general public. So. There's four major crimes under VAWA, Violence Against Women Act. It's domestic violence, dating violence, sexual assault, and stalking. But it's always kind of and stalking. Like we almost call their website andstalking.org because <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, and stalking also is a thing. Um, but the reality is that stalking is prevalent. It's something that a lot of people are experiencing, but it's so often an afterthought and really under-resourced in our field. There are few of any standalone stalking resources, for example. Typically, your response is housed under domestic violence or sexual assault services, even if the stalking has nothing to do with that. So every state and territory, like so stalking is a crime across the country. It's a crime at the federal level in every state, tribal lands in US territories, and in the military justice system, and on campuses. Um, but every state or jurisdiction, not jurisdiction, but every state and territory has a different statute on stalking. And so some of them are really narrow and some are really broad. Um, and I'm sure that's riveting to everyone, but I can talk about it. Yeah, I, so I do get pumped about stalking statutes now. I'm like, oh, this is a broad one. I see what you're doing here, okay. um, But yeah, so it is illegal across the board, but the, the specifics might vary. But behaviorally, in terms of like what is actual stalking, what does it look like? Um, the behavioral definition is it's a pattern of behavior directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to feel fear. So it's a pattern of behavior that's typically two or more incidents and that's directed at a specific person. So if there's, say, a peeping Tom looking in a locker room at whoever happens to be there, that might still be a crime. It's not really stalking because it's only one incident and it's for whoever was in the room. It's not following one person. Now it could totally become stalking. Let's say that offender then, you know, takes a picture of those, one of those women and then finds them on social media and contacts them. Okay, so now we could be looking at a stalking or extortion case or whatever, but that act on its own wouldn't be. Um, and the behaviors can be quite varied. So a lot of times when folk think stalking, they think surveillance. So you get this image of kind of like a hoodie, stranger in an alleyway with binoculars or with a camera. And there's two things to, to correct about that. One is that, you know, surveillance is part of a lot of stalking cases, but it's not the only thing because any two or more behaviors that are scary could be stalking. And so there's a lot of them and I'll come back to that in a second. But also this idea of like the secret admirer stalker or maybe you're being stalked, you don't know it because you're getting this like ransom style note kind of thing that you see in the media quite a bit. That can happen, but it's pretty unlikely. The vast majority of the time, actually, victims know offenders, offenders know victims. So in other words, usually the stalker and the person they're stalking know each other. Um, about half the time, it's a current or former intimate partner. So, you know, an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-husband, ex-wife, somebody like that. Um, it's also likely to be an acquaintance. So like a friend of a friend, a classmate, someone you met at work, something like that. It can be a stranger. That's about 16 to 17% overall. So it's not that that never happens, but it's, it's relatively rare. It could be a family member or a person of authority, like a supervisor, an academic advisor, somebody like that. So about half the time it's related to 
into a partner violence in one way or another. And so a lot of people are like, oh, that's not a stalker. That's just my ex who's having a hard time getting over things. Well, that's the most likely person to actually engage in that stalking behavior. Um, there's also a perception that the stranger stalkers are like really, they're the really dangerous ones. And if you know the person, you're in less danger. And that's actually not true. Mm -hmm. While all stalkers can be dangerous, on average, intimate partner stalkers are the most dangerous stalkers. So the most likely to physically approach the person, be threatening, use weapons. Uh, there was a study of women with protective orders. So all of them have been abused, all of them have protective orders, some have been abused and stalked. For the women abused and stalked, they had higher rates across the board of everything from verbal abuse to threats with the weapon, attacks with the weapon, sexual assault, and um, physical assault. And so it's that stalking's an indicator that this relationship is extra scary, basically, and that it's extra violent. Um, I feel like I'm just saying a bunch of stuff. Let me go back real quick to the, the behavioral definition and fear. This is often misunderstood. So it's a pattern of behavior directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to feel fear. So fear is really important to understanding stalking, and it's actually what separates stalking from something it's confused with a lot, which is harassment. So harassments typically repeat a behavior that would make someone feel annoyed, agitated, frustrated, like it's a hostile environment. And harassment can be quite serious. I'm not trying to minimize it, but it's not scary. Um, so, you know, if my supervisor is emailing me at three in the morning and then calling me names in front of the staff at the meeting at 9 a.m. because I didn't respond. Like, she's terrible and I hate her. I'm not necessarily afraid of her, but let's say that I'm you know, driving home, I see her a couple cars back. She sends me a picture of myself walking my pug, says, why are you doing that instead of working? She's texting my husband. Okay, now I'm scared. Cause I'm like, okay, this person's really fixated on me. Yeah. Like, this escalate, like what's going on here? Like, this is scary. This is freaking me out, right? And so harassment can become stalking or be part of a stalking course of conduct um, is another fancy way to say that pattern of behavior course of conduct, but on its own, it, they're a little bit different. And I see it misused a lot. It'll be like, oh, she got 50 death threats. It was extreme harassment. Like, I don't know about you when I get my death threats. I'm yeah. not just a toy. I am scared. So if it might be scary, if it's scary, it's stalking. Um, and it's not just a semantic difference. They're different charges from a criminal justice perspective. Also, they have different risk profiles. So generally you're in much more danger if they're stalking versus harassment. So if we just kind of call it harassment, we miss the urgency of stalking. And same within that intimate partner violence relationship. A lot of times in the field, I'll hear people, if they do mention stalking at all, it's always like, oh, there was an abusive relationship, the victim left and the offender began stalking them. And that totally can happen. But let's take a step back. If during the relationship, the offender was calling all the time, texting constantly, following them around, sending texts, you know, showing up at the workplace, asking friends and family where they were, demanding check-ins, tracking the vehicle, that's stalking, right? I mean, it's domestic violence and stalking. It's both that a lot of times it gets called just like emotional abuse or digital abuse, um, but it's both. And we want to know that it can happen before, during, and or after a relationship, because when there's stalking involved in an intimate partner violent relationship, that is an indicator that there's more victimization. So there's more likely to be more violence going on. Anyways, I feel like I just said a bunch of stuff and I don't think it was very well organized. So let me know what about that was interesting or boring and what else you would like to know. Okay, well, I learned a lot. So thank you for all that. I feel like people, if you wanna re like rewind um, 
10 minutes and then slow it down to like 0.25, you can, <laughs> you can learn so much. Um, but I did write down a few questions during that. Okay, sorry. No, it's good. It's good. It was, I think that it was really interesting. So my first question is, like, what would someone on a dating app be considered? Would that, like, if they somehow found you after you had never actually hung out, but you, you, maybe you just matched with them and then they somehow found you. Is that technically a stranger? I know that's hmm. not really maybe something that you'll usually have that. No, answer. it can certainly happen, right? Um, I think it would depend kind of what, this is a boring answer, but it would depend what study you're looking at and how they define oh. these different terms. For me personally, if my friend was like, I must categorize this, what is it? I'd yeah. probably say either a stranger or maybe acquaintance. Like it's someone you know, it's not a completely random person that you just walked by one day, right? Like you've had some relationship with them, even if it was just online, um, but now they're continuing. So yeah, somewhere in that stranger acquaintance mode. And unfortunately that does happen, right? Or they're stalking after just one date or yeah. one call or one exchange. So that can absolutely happen. And do you think it's like easier for someone to be convicted if they are a felt like a, a personal relationship? I don't know why I can't someone that someone knows. <laughs> like, well, I mean, the conviction rates for stalking are super low across the board. Um, and so that's part of what I do at my organization is try to train both victim responders in terms of, you know, let's keep victims safe and get people the resources they need, as well as that encouraging when a victim wants to move forward in the criminal justice system, make sure you charge stalking and have appropriate sentencing for that because it's really, really underreported. Even when it is reported, it's undercharged. Um, so I'd say across the board, it's hard to get convictions. Big picture, it's, it's kind of, I'd say it goes both ways because there's a public misperception that stalking is a scary stranger. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is a scary stranger, they tend to get more attention from the press and responders and the criminal justice system because it fits that narrative, even though that narrative is a minority of cases, right? Mm -hmm. And I know I talked to a survivor who had been stalked twice in her life from totally different people. One time it was like a homeless man who lived on her street. Oh and one time it was an ex-partner. And when she was really scared was when it was an ex-partner, because think about it, who really knows how to get to you. I mean, literally mm -hmm. and figuratively, who can scare you the best, who knows what you're really afraid of, who knows your password, who knows where you, what your high school mascot was and could go online to your account. I mean, it's really those intimate partners who tend to know the most about you. And so they have a lot more access to you and your social circles, et cetera. Um, and that's not to dismiss that stranger stalking is also scary. Absolutely it is, but when she reported that one to police, it was like, oh no, it's a stalker, we gotta do something. And she got a lot of response and attention and a lot of people understanding her fear. And when it was the ex-boyfriend that she was actually really afraid of, it was like, oh, he's having a hard time getting over things. Yeah, You know, it's not a big deal. Um, but again, it, it's not, so in some ways it's like, there might be a longer history that you can point to if you were going that route to convict them, but also there's this public kind of bias uh, where folks are more interested in those stranger stalking cases. And so they often don't see the ex-partner wants as urgent or they feel like, oh, that's a private matter or like that's between them kind of thing. Um, much like domestic violence generally was considered until maybe 20 years ago. And wow. so it's trying to sort of bring that out and say, no, this is like the real thing. Um, and we need to take it seriously. 
Okay, I'm learning so much. So for um, what about like during COVID times? Would you, do you think that the stalking rates have gone up or gone down because people are social distancing, so maybe they're not quite as adamant about getting out of their house and threatening. Yeah. It's hard to say because we don't, in the US, we don't have a national stalking hotline and we don't have amazing metrics on stalking. Um, that being said, for places that do have stalking hotlines, like the UK, as well as folks that are capturing data about domestic violence and sexual violence, which are often co-victimizations with stalking, the rates have actually gone up during COVID. And so, of course, a lot of it, though not all of it, is stalking through technology. And so uh, most stalkers, not all, but most stalkers who use technology are also stalking in person. So, but we're seeing an increase of stalking through technology. Um, and also because people, we know that changes in life events can aggravate a stalker. So loss of a family member, loss of a job, something that's not normal. And of course this entire year has been a bunch of not normal sort of aggravating factors. Also, it's easy to find the victim and they have fewer resources. And so we know that the domestic violence rates are going up because you're trapped with your abuser and it's hard to get wow. away to make a phone call to a shelter, for example, when you're trapped in the house with the person you need to make the phone call about and they're monitoring you. And so perhaps, you know, two years ago, well, you go shopping and um, <laughs> maybe two years ago, you know, you go shopping and you know, you get away from your partner and you can make that kind of call and seek out those resources or talk to your friend or get whatever kind of formal or informal support that you might want. But because everyone's kind of trapped these days, it's actually much harder to do that. And there's an article I read about stalking in the UK where there's a quote from a woman saying they felt like sitting ducks, that they knew that the offender knew where to find them. They knew what their schedule was. They had fewer protections at work, et cetera. Um, and so I think I can't point to study being like it went up this percent during COVID times, but I think anecdotally and from what we're hearing from different folks in the field, I think the rates actually did increase. Also because stalkers spend a lot of time stalking um, yeah. and they have less to do, you know, <laughs> otherwise. So, which is kind of ridiculous, but offenders go through so much effort to stalk their victims. Like there's the case where an offender drove 300 miles to carve his ex's name in trees near her home that's a stalking case. It's that kind of thing. Not always, but often, right? And so stalkers, I do not mean this is a compliment to them, but they are very creative criminals. And people always tell me the most bizarre, disturbing cases are stalking cases because definitionally it's about going out of your way just to upset somebody else. Like that's what it is, you know? So it, um, I think also there's more free time and less structure and supervision for yeah. the offenders themselves. Um, I also want to say, though I don't think it's relevant to this question, but I don't know why that would start bothering me now since I've just been ranting about everything, is that <laughs> the um, contextual nature of stalking is really important to understand. A lot of times what's scariest to a victim may seem benign or even nice to an outsider, and it's only the context and the relationship that oh, makes yeah. it scary. Yeah, so like a, a good example, um, there's a victim who called the police who was hysterical, and all she'd say was, there's a cup of coffee in my car. So understandably, the police are not sending out the SWAT team. They're kind of like, you prefer tea? Like, what yeah. is your problem? <laughs> um, and eventually she calmed down enough and said, he's here. So it turned out there's a stalking victim who had relocated to get away from the offender. Oh, one gosh. in seven stalking victims relocate. So that's <sighs> very common. Um, shows how consuming this is, right? She moved 
address confidentiality, new job, like the whole thing really thought she covered her tracks. She leaves to go to work that morning. She gets in her car. There's a cup of coffee with his old nickname for her on it. That is too much. It is too much. It is too much, right? So it's really scary when you know the whole story. But if all you see is the artifact of the coffee, you're like, what's the big deal? Um, or like, how do I get a car that comes with coffee? This sounds amazing, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so that's really the problem for a lot of responders is that victims don't always know how to articulate, like, here's what this means. And here's all the deep meanings behind it because they're in a panic state, right? And so if you have your officer, responding officer who has no idea who this victim is and they get a call about coffee in the car, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, lady. But, um, and we actually tell officers that if a victim ever says, I know it sounds crazy, but that should be like, huh, this might be a stalking case because um, that is something offenders do intentionally. They do things that are kind of these quote unquote crazy making behaviors to make victims feel like they're losing their minds. So for example, a common stalking behavior is to break into a victim's home or car and not take or break anything, but just leave some sign they were there. So maybe they leave a can of soda that is the brand they always drink, or they leave the TV on a channel that they and the victim used to watch together, or they move a lamp that they once argued about where it should go. And so victim gets home, they know that offender's been there, but unless they had their own witnesses or surveillance system, they're like, what, am I gonna call the police and say someone moved a lamp? Like, I'm gonna sound totally yeah. nuts. And offenders know that, that's why they engage in that behavior. Um, and so, and I should also contextualize that the, most common stalking behaviors are that constant contact, you know, that calling, texting, contacting through a variety of platforms. You look at your phone and across platforms, you have all these notifications, you know it's the offender, phone calls, including hangups and voicemails and spoof calls, which is making it look like it's coming from somebody else, um, as well as that surveillance. So watching the person, putting a GPS tracker on the car, asking friends and family about them and where they are and what they're doing, just getting information, um, watching them on social media to see where they go, or trying to find a location, um, as well as spreading rumors and public humiliation are also really common stalking tactics. So you might be thinking like, well, God, you people gossip. I mean, that's not necessarily stalking, but that's true. Um, but we see a lot of very intentional impersonation and or rumor spreading. So mm -hmm. for example, this offender photoshopped um, the victim's face onto like nude and pornographic images, wrote a bunch of lies about what she liked sexually, and then made a flyer and distributed it to everyone in her apartment building and workplace. Okay, so that's obviously beyond like, oh, people gossip, right? I mean, yeah. that's very much targeting her, ruining her reputation. And so she's trying to get through her day and it's really invasive. It's really interfering in her life. Um, and so that's also a really common stalker tactic that we see where there's a case where the offender, every time the victim got a new job, he would find her and then send nude images of her to the new supervisor. Oh my so just gosh. This aspect, yeah, it's just never over and that you can't have a normal life, right? And that there's a stalker or signs of a stalker, no matter what you do and where you go. And the average duration of a stalking case, this really shocked me when I learned this, not the high end, the average is two years. 10% oh. of cases last five years or more. And so stalkers have plenty of time to do a variety of different tactics and behaviors. So really anything that's scary and not the first thing that happened could be stalking. It's not just, you know, the camera and the binoculars. It could really be any variety of things. Um, and so I think a lot of folks don't realize that. So they don't necessarily identify what's going on as stalking. Um, 
and they don't necessarily identify that as a crime even you know it's like you have to be like oh this is stalking and stalking is a crime and here are the resources yeah. and we're just not there yet in our public dialogue about it I feel like that the whole printing of the photoshopped images and like post pasting all over the workplace could also be harassment right yeah it could be um it depends so it's really the line is and again it's going to depend Fear. on your state statute but it's about is it scary okay and so yeah it could totally be that could absolutely be harassment like this person's spreading rumors they're being cruel to me they're degrading me this feels really hostile um that absolutely but when you have you know here's what i like sexually here's my phone number yeah 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 you know so it you know and it's it's gonna it, it'll depend on the situation um but we see that more and more. We also see a lot of impersonation on dating websites. So you think about all you need to really go on a, a social media or a dating website is a photo of the person and a new email. So we have a lot of offenders impersonating victims on dating websites and then, you know, pretending to be them spreading rumors, you know, here's what I like sexually, here's what I'm doing. And if they're combining that with surveillance, which in some cases they are, they say, oh, hey, I'm wearing this red sweater. I'm in the coffee shop right now, come find me. Then they're being approached by strangers and the victim's like, what's going on? I'm not even on that dating site. So wow, we see that happening as well. Yeah, it's really scary. And you know, oh we don't, gosh. a lot of people when they hear that aren't like, oh, stalking. But yeah. fear of sexual violence is certainly a fear that's covered by every stalking statute, right? And so um, that kind of impersonation is often part of a stalking case. And I wish I could say that's like an extreme example, but we see it more and more. Well, this has been a very um, dark episode, but I think it's good because people, I'm sure, I'm sure you have people in your life or someone who who may have experienced, I hope that you don't, listeners, but if you know anyone who's experienced anything that Dana has described, you can forward this to them and let them know that their feelings are real and validated and maybe they are unsure of how to like voice what they're feeling, but it could very well be stalking. So before you tell people, what they should do if they feel like they're being stalked, which I am assuming is just call the police, but maybe you have some specific resources. I first wanna say um, some dating apps, it's not so easy to get a new account because when my account was permanently deleted on Hinge because I tried uh -huh. to set up um, a like raffle to date me when I was doing my fundraiser, <laughs> I've never sure, been sure. allowed back on and I've tried so hard. <laughs> And I'm like, I was doing it for Habitat for Humanity. And they were like, well, we recognize this phone number. But I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying I need, if, if it's just creating a new email, I'm going to need to look into that. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but I'm not I mean, doubting I'm you. But it's also about, like, what are these platforms concerned with? And yeah, it, it true. It might be the dating raffle more than, like, stalking, um, which a lot of platforms don't really think about stalking. And they don't think about it as urgent. And I think that's always my main point, which is probably getting lost because I just shared too much information as is my custom, but it's really to build a sense of urgency around stalking because every week I read stories about violence or attempted violence or homicide or attempted homicide preceded by stalking, which it is the vast majority of the time, especially with intimate partner relationships. And instead of seeing that violence and looking backwards and saying, oh, I guess there was a history of stalking all along, no, we want to identify the stalking early and intervene then because it's a traumatic crime in its own right you know, that can prevent trauma, violence, and possibly even death, right? So we want wow. to address it early. And too often it's it's too little too late. 
um, overlooking backwards when we need to look forward as much as possible. And so, you know, if you're experiencing any of these behaviors, I would say definitely trust your instincts. If you're afraid, there's probably a good reason. There's a lot of minimization of stalking in our uh, media. That was and my next question. Conversation. Yeah, like, you know, people will say like, oh my God, I was stalking you on Insta. Like I was stalking you on Facebook. And I'm not saying that causes stalking, but it does kind of create an environment where the term stalking is not taken as seriously, right? <laughs> because, you know, no one says that about other crimes. No one's like, oh man, that party was so lit. It's arson. <laughs> Right, like that's not a thing. If you tell your friend there was arson in your home, they're gonna be like, oh dude, you gotta call the police. Like there was arson, <laughs> serious. But with stalking, you get this like, okay, but was it stalking or was it stalking? Yeah. And you get this sort of minimization. And so we know that most people talk to a friend or family member first that they trust. So your response makes a really big difference. And if they take it seriously and seek additional help. Um, and you know, calling the police is one option. It's not the option for everyone. You know, there's plenty, of reasons why people do and don't want to engage the criminal justice system. A first step I'd recommend if you're worried about a friend or about something you're experiencing is to go to, um, you can get to it through stalkingawareness.org, but there's a risk assessment specifically for stalking. So basically it's like a bunch of questions, like has this happened, has that happened, has this happened? It only takes like 15 minutes. And then it gives you a risk profile. Like it'll say, okay, based on what you told me, this is high, medium, low risk in terms of your safety and like, here's some things to consider. And so that's, a, you can do that on behalf of a friend or on your own. It's called SHARP Stalking and Harassment Assessment and Risk Profile. So it's at Coercive Control, C-O-E-R-C-I-V-E. -E. I don't know why it was so hard to me to coercive because I always hear this course of control, but it's not coercivecontrol.org oh. or you can get to it at stalkingawareness.org. So I think that's a really good first step. Um, Wait. And then, yeah, talking to those victim responders, if you're not sure who to talk to, there's no national stalking hotline, but the closest thing we have is called Victim Connect, which is run out of the National Center for Victims of Crime, this 855-4-VICTIM. And so they can help refer you to local resources. And again, those will usually be sexual violence or domestic violence resources, even if the stalking's not related to that. So that can be confusing because if I'm being stalked by like an old roommate and there was no sexual relationship, I might be like, why are you referring me to the Family Violence Center? That makes no sense. But that's where that victim advocate will be housed who can mm -hmm. help you with this. Um, and so it's, all, it's a little confusing. So explain that to your friends as well. There's few of any standalone stalking resources. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, de and definitely trusting your instincts, calling law enforcement if you think you're in immediate danger, taking the SHARP assessment, connecting to victim services, and above all, like I said, just that taking it seriously and knowing if you're afraid, there's probably a good reason. There is no better risk assessment than a victim's own fear. So even if you're like, am I overreacting? It's hard to explain why this is scary. I don't know, I just have a bad feeling. You know, take that seriously because you're probably right. Um, and even if you can't justify or explain it, you don't need to, right? Yeah. You wanna act in the best interest of your safety um, and the safety of those around you. So definitely take it seriously and learn more about stalking as well because it impacts one in six women and one in 17 men in the United States. It's common. You definitely know people who've experienced stalking, um, but they may not have identified it that way or told you about it. So I think the more we talk about it, the more you'll hear about it. I know I certainly have a lot of people in my life who have come forward. Turns out they're definitely stalking survivors, but I never knew that. But now that I'm like the stalking lady, everyone talks to me. 
so but it's a good it's a good thing because we, we got to fix it yeah so thanks well, for having me on to rant about it you're welcome now you're not leaving yet sorry i have one more i have a few more quick questions no that's fine i'll talk stalking forever okay. All, all right. day every day surprise everyone it's our first 30 hour long episode <laughs> yeah 30 so, hours of learning with dana flightman so my questions are like should we call out it okay in popular culture we have identified in the past some films and songs that are kind of what is the word of like making stalking positive like what is the word that i'm looking for i would say normalizing, yeah, normalizing. It does it in different ways because sometimes it's like sexy and fun sometimes it's romantic sometimes it's just played for laughs like there's different kind of iterations of that you know should we be pissed about it and like <laughs> call them out for normalizing it or should we and if it's like if it's like framed in a jokey way or should we just be identify and be like well this actually isn't funny and explain it to our <laughs> friends I mean, I can't tell you what to laugh at or not laugh at, except you should always laugh at my comedy because it's hilarious. Of course. Um, obvi. But I think that it needs to be questioned more and also just named as stalking more because I hear more conversation about like, like critiques of romantic comedies where you have these male protagonists who keep wearing women down, right? So you've probably heard that in terms of like consent culture, like, okay, she keeps saying no and he keeps trying and trying and trying and he's rewarded. So yeah. I agree that's that's a lack of respect and consent, but it's also stalking. As most of those movies, it's like here he is with flowers. Oh my god, he's at the workplace. Ooh, he bumped into her at the coffee shop. Oh man, so many messages. He must really like her. And I don't think that's causing stalking, but I do think that it normalizes the behaviors so that when people are experiencing it, they're like, oh, I feel really afraid, but maybe it's just someone doing a romantic pursuit and doing a bad job. Maybe yeah. I'm overreacting. Or if they tell a friend, they might be like, oh no, that's sweet or that's nice. Or, you know, their intention is good because usually in those kinds of stories, the protagonist who's usually male has good intentions, right? He, mm -hmm. He's romantic and he just is great. And maybe he's a little excessive, but it's just because he cares so much. <laughs> when in reality, most stalkers are scary and trying to scare you and are dangerous. Um, and so I think it can kind of confuse people right <laughs> and kind of lead to some minimization um and I do think the played for laughs is a little bit dangerous as well I mean you see it it's a really common trope even in cartoons where like mm -hmm. Spongebob won't leave Squidward alone you know <laughs> like the, you know there's always these like here I am again sort of pop-ups and again I'm not saying that causes stalking but it does sort of present it as harmless mm -hmm. and the truth is this is not harmless this is one in five stalkers use weapons to threaten or harm their victims most victims have lifelong trauma, especially post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, as a result of the stalking. And the vast majority of intimate partner murder, they're stalking the year prior to it. So it's just, you know, I, I hate to be a buzzkill, but I'm like, oh, is it funny though when you won't respect someone's boundaries? I feel like it's not. It's and not. yeah, media is allowed to explore dark topics. So I like seeing stalking in like a horror movie. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's scary. So I'm not like, we're not allowed to show that or talk about that, but it's just, I like seeing it when it's presented as scary um, mm -hmm. and too often it's presented as funny. And it, it's really across genres too, like superhero movies. We have Spider-Man watching Mary Jane to protect her. Well, guess what stalkers say they're doing? Um, oh, I trust, I don't, and that's a very common abuser tactic. I trust you, I don't trust everyone else. So I have to keep an eye on you, right? That's a very common like abuser stalker thing to say. Um, 
and we see it normalized by these sort of hero tropes and you know right so, <laughs> so, like so anyways I, I think that I mean I can't tell you like what to be mad at but there's plenty of things to be mad at in this great terrible infuriating world but it certainly makes me upset when I see it because I'm like okay I'm reading all these cases of how stalking and its real impacts and it's not being countered with a conversation about what stalking actually is. And I think the normalization in the media, as well as the casual use of the word stalking, creates a false sense that people know what stalking is and it's not that big a deal, when actually most people don't know what stalking is and it is kind of a big deal. So that's kind of, and it's no one piece of media's fault, right? Like you're yeah. allowed to like the things you like. Like my favorite movie is The Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't think it's okay for skeletons to feel to steal Christmas. Okay, I'll go on record. I don't think that's cool. You heard so, it here you first. Know, what? You heard it here first. Yeah, I don't think that's cool. I don't think that was an appropriate behavior, you know? So like, you know, you don't have to, you can like what you like, but it's just that the culminating effect of all of this and that it's so often not critiqued or even brought into critical conversations about consent culture or the Me Too movement or anything. Like, I just don't hear about stalking very much in there. Um, and it's all part of the same thing. So a lot of great sound bites from that question. So you're about to be <laughs> all over social media. Again, we're going viral and ending <laughs> stalking forever. You're welcome, team. So what is something that people can do over the next week? What's a challenge that you can give them? It can be, it can have to do with stalking awareness. It could just have to do with watching your comedy, following all of your <laughs> stuff, whatever your heart desires. I don't know. I like calling that a challenge. Be like, I challenge you to watch my comedy. <laughs> That's what I like to do is really challenge my audiences to get through it. That's yeah. really like my brand. No, I would say go to stockingawareness.org, do a little poking around, do some learning, just like read the what is stalking section and be like, wow, I learned, just learn something new on there. Um, you can keep stalking in your mind year round, which I know is what you want to do by following uh, the organization I work for. We're at follow us legally. If you get our sixth sense of humor at Spark. Um, so you can follow us and see stuff. We also, there's National Stalking Awareness Month in January. And so, yeah, woo woo. So, um, <laughs> if you're at, if you're in a, you know, workplace that does lunch and learns, or if you're somewhere that does, you know, at least notices or in some way marks events like that, like April Sexual Assault Awareness Month, there's typically a lot more noise about that than uh, Stalking Awareness Month. So, you know, be a part of that, kind of raise the conversation. And I'd say just be mindful of some of the media you watch. And it, again, it's not to be critical of you or what you like, but just be like, oh, okay, I guess that, that actually is stalking. And it's interesting to me. It, it's yeah. interesting to see that. Um, okay, I'm going to add another challenge. I'm going to add another challenge. Okay. We can start the countdown to January, which is Stalking Awareness Month on all of your social media. Each <laughs> month at the beginning of the month, we like six months until Stalking Awareness Month. Yes. Or exactly. I'm going to tally. I'm going to try. I probably won't remember this. All the times I hear something that is like a song that like references stalking, but I never realized it or films. And I'm going to try to document that for one week after I release this podcast, which will be next Monday. I might not remember, but I'll try. I love it. Also, I do have a stalking playlist that I use in my trainings when I'm like, when I'm in person, when I'm setting up and it breaks. So I can send that to you. That's all songs <laughs> that normalize stalking. Yeah. I'll link to that in the show notes. 
yeah just, I don't want anyone like stalking and listening to the song so if you're a stalker don't listen to it yeah don't get inspired don't get any ideas but if you're just like wow I, I'm curious about how stalking has been normalized then you can listen to it and I'll oh. send it to you okay perfect <laughs> well um speaking of songs American Idol starting in 11 minutes so I must go I've got to prepare for the live votes um sure but this has been a very informative podcast and probably the only podcast so far that might save someone's life. So I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, definitely, again, if, you, if you're worried, contact Victim Connect, learn more at stockingawareness.org. My organization does not do direct services. So don't contact us being like, I need help. But you can contact us being like, I want to learn and we'll send you information. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on, Lauren, and letting me rant at you. And how can people follow you on social media and watch all those videos for like my personal socials yeah. um you can find me on insta at d flightman that's d as in dog f as in frank l-e-i-t-m-a-n i have a website it's very creative dana flightman dot is it org or com i think it's dot com <laughs> I implies think... i should be making more money mm-hmm. um yeah you can find me at dana flightman.com and if this is going out next Monday, um, keep an eye out on Grassroots Comedy DC because I'm producing a show called Pun and Games. It's funny, yeah. y'all. Yeah, it's fun. Lauren, Lauren helped and detect for the first one, so she knows what's up. And Trust it's me. Silly time, and it's a lot of fun. And I won't even talk about stalking during it. So if you're like, I like Dana, but I wish she talked about stalking less, this show's for you. Yeah, um, where I'll just be punning and being silly. So and if you yeah. want to hear some of Dana's funny stuff in a future podcast episode dm me or write us a review yeah do that i can be funny too and not talk about stalking but you, today i talked about i'm gonna stalking. i'm really gonna clip out some of the funny parts to put them in the like as nads people will be lured in and then they'll learn <laughs> i did have after a stalking train because I, I honestly do use a lot of humor in my stalking training and one time i did this presentation for all these cops and this guy came up to me after and was like Ma'am, I don't want to offend you. Please don't take this the wrong way, but you could do stand-up comedy. <laughs> like, so how dare like, you? Exactly. You shot as if I would debase myself for the laughs of strangers <laughs> as a hobby. Yeah, but uh, I have had people say that, which is nice. That's and very like, nice. Oh, I do that, but I don't talk about stalking during it because like stalking is not that funny, but right. other stuff's funny, so. <laughs> Thank you, Data. I have to prepare my, my fingers for the voting. But thanks, everyone, for another (laughs) amazing episode. Um, This is Michael Barbaro. See you tomorrow. All right. Bye. Bye.